What's up, everyone? How's everyone doing today? My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're both Ben Cheney, ready to beat Edward Cullen's ass because he wants to take our woman. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Wow, incredible. What is up, Emily? You always you take me off guard when you do that. I'm not ready to talk about my day. Um, I was just telling a friend of the pod, Remy, this the other day. I was like, if I I could win the lottery over the weekend. So I have a team, I have a team meeting with my three other teammates at work every Monday morning. And I was like, I could win the lottery over the weekend. And when they asked me how my weekend was, I would still be like, it was fine, didn't do much. Because <laughs> I just I don't know what to say when people ask me what I how what's going on. I don't know. Nothing really. I feel like my head, the first thing I think of is like, talk about what you ate. People want to know what you ate. Like, that's the first thing I think like, oh, yeah, I had a granola bar. So I'm doing pretty good. Like, I don't know. I just figured people want to know that that information. I love that me and you always talk about what we ate, but we actually genuinely want to know what the other person ate. I really do. I I got a pizza. So just so the listeners know, I I was... Um, exposed to COVID, so I had I was excluded from work for the past um, ten. At this point, it's now eleven days. I'm going back to work tomorrow, but I've just been chilling, you know, during my exclusion. My test was negative. I've felt fine, no symptoms, so no worries on my end. But I uh, today's my last day off I guess um I'm, since I'm going back tomorrow so I got a pizza for myself for dinner and that's sitting out in the kitchen which I'm gonna I'm gonna start a conversation right now something that's really important to me and I know that we've talked about it before but I just want this to be a public conversation Emily what is your opinion on pizza temperature how do you like to eat your pizza we this is one of the only things about Paige that I'm like what the fuck <laughs> Not only with her pizza, but also with her Chinese food, her sandwiches, anything she orders. We get home, like whenever the one time I've been up to her new place, and she's like, I like, I'm already halfway done by the time we're in the door. And she's like, "Eh, I think I'll just eat mine later. I'm like, how? When I know there's food that I want in my house, I cannot stay away from it. So here's the thing. Pizza is its own topic, so I'm just going to set that off to the side because my motives are different for that. For other things, like when we got Chinese food on um, New Year's Eve, my prerogative was to get drunk that night. And I was like, if I'm going to eat all this rice, it's going to soak it up. So I'm going to get I'm going to get more intoxicated. And then once I've reached a level that I'm okay with, then I'm going to eat because you should eat when you're drunk anyways to like have something in you. And also, no one can argue with this. Food tastes way better when you're drunk. It's just tastier in my opinion. That is true. That is true. But there have been many times on this podcast where you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I ordered this." And I'm like, "Oh, how was it?" You're like, Oh, it's in the fridge. I'm like, we're you're gonna record, 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 record a whole podcast episode with with the sandwich in your fridge. But here's the thing, you know, we're recording the podcast at six. You know, by the time we're done, it's close to eight, and then you know that's past dinner time. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put an online order in, and then 
wait another 30 minutes and go pick it up at 8.30 and then eat at 9. I want it just at my home once we're done with the podcast so I can eat it as soon as we're done. See, that's where you and I are different. <clears throat> Sorry, I just lost my voice there for a second. Um, If I am not eating by 5.32, I'm like, what the fuck? Where is it? Is it coming? Even if someone else is cooking, I'm like, you need any help? <laughs> I think I'm like 70 years old internally because I'm like, it is dinner time. I got to eat. As long as I know that the food is there and will be eaten eventually, I'm fine. Like if there was no food, the food isn't ready yet. I'm impatient. But if I like, I know there's a pizza out there waiting for me and I'm excited about that. So I'm fine with it. Now on to a whole different topic. Do you like your pizza hot, room temperature or cold? I like it hot unless it's between the hours of, let's say, 7 a.m. and 11 a.m. In the morning, cold pizza's good. Room temperature, you might be a serial killer. Well, you better lock your doors tonight because as it turns out, I'm a serial killer. (laughs) I knew it! (laughs) I love room temperature to cold pizza. There is a scene in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where... Um, one of the main characters, Amy, makes fun of uh, Andy Samberg's characters, Jake, for he only likes room temperature pizza. And I'm like, thank you. Someone gets it. Like, I mean, I like hot pizza. Don't get me wrong. I will eat it. But I just feel like when it's cooled down, the, the like the toppings aren't as like slidey and you can it just like oh, it's so my mouth is filling with saliva. It's so good. I just, I love room temperature pizza. It's good. And the thing is, is that I feel like I know people who like cold to room temperature pizza. So I know I'm not alone in it. I know I'm not. But Emily's giving me judgment eyes. So (laughs) I'm good with cold. Room temperature is weird. I don't know. I just, I think anything room temperature is like, yuck. I think if the, I think if the item is supposed to be cold, I don't like room temperature, like water, just plain water. I'd rather it be cold. But I think with food, I could give or take. You know, like pizza, I could do it. Like a sandwich, I could do it. I'm, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I maybe I am weird. I don't know. Listeners, if you need to roast me, you go right on ahead. But maybe maybe one of you out there is like, hey, I'm not alone. And I just want you to know that you're not. Or maybe I'm alone and... I'm just sounding like a dummy. No, yeah, let us know if you like room temperature pizza. I'm going to roast myself here. I think it might be a psychological thing because in high school, after I started drying myself, so like sophomore year, I would come home from soccer practice basically year round because it was almost a year round sport for me at that point. I got like probably about a month off per year. Anyway, Um, I would come home at like eight. So my family would not have waited for me to eat. So my mom would have just kept things warm on the stove, quote unquote. And they were not really that warm. And I would sit alone and eat them and do my stupid math homework and be upset. (laughs) And so I think I just have bad associations with room temperature food. I you know, that's completely fair. I, I can't, I can't argue with that that reasoning. So I, I'm, I feel your side and I'm not trying to hate on people who like hot food. I mean, I like hot food. Don't get me wrong. It's just pizza specifically. Mm-hmm. I love it when it's room temperature. Like I, I don't know if I would eat a bowl of pasta 
cold or room temperature. Like it's just like some things don't make sense. But pizza specifically, I just really like it not piping hot and not chilled. Just chilling, you know. Oh, chilled and chilling. <laughs> I, li- I like it. You know, it's cool. It's doing its own thing. I get it. I see you. I respect you. <laughs> but I don't agree. <laughs> Live to fight another day, I guess. Mm-hmm. So after that uh, pizza discourse, <laughs> this week we read chapter 12 of Midnight Sun, which is called Complications. What did you think of this chapter, page? Okay, so one, I gotta say I feel like a fool because I was 100% confident that this was the chapter where Jacob and his father are there waiting for, um, basically waiting for Charlie and then... Bella and Edward roll up and then that doesn't happen and I was like wait what like I really thought that that was supposed to happen now so it felt kind of silly but I thought that there was some really there was just a part that really intrigued me about Rosalie that I hadn't really thought about so I really liked that um and also the whole Angela Ben Cheney thing I really dig that I just it kind of did warm my heart so I thought this was a pretty good chapter aside from me being shocked that what I thought was going to happen did not happen. In your defense, I'm pretty sure that in Twilight, the chapter that's called Complications is that. Okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I thought this was a nice chapter. Um, Doesn't do a whole lot to move the plot forward. We've kind of had a few of those in a row here, but hopefully it'll pick up soon. I mean, this is just such a long book, so it has so much more kind of like fluff than Twilight did, because I feel like Twilight was just trying to like get to the point. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just there's not a whole lot of like revelations or anything. Mm-hmm. So it starts off. So you'll remember at the end of the last chapter, um, Bella and Edward were talking about why Bella can't watch Edward hunt. And then they walked off to biology class together. So this chapter starts off um, right where we left off. They're walking to biology and they happen to walk by Angela Weber. And um, if you remember, Edward was trying to find like a gift of some kind to deliver to her for being so nice to Bella. And he realizes that she does want something. She wants um, this human that she's this human male that she's talking to. Um, So at this point, he doesn't say what the issue is. He just says, um, I'll read this. Um, This is on page 246. In the next second, I was abruptly and thoroughly irritated because Angela's story didn't have to be tragic. She was human and he was human. And the difference that seemed so insurmountable in her head was truly ridiculous compared to my own situation. There was no reason for her broken heart. What a wasteful sorrow. Why shouldn't this one story have a happy ending? So at this point, before you knew what was going on, what did you think could have possibly been the issue? I... I thought that because Angela to me seems like she's very shy and very quiet, which she is. That is true. I just thought it was kind of a situation where it was like she was just too afraid to tell him how she felt and that she just thought that he would never want her, basically. Like, just didn't have the confidence to say what she wanted and then never acted on it. Um, That's not the case, but I mean, it kind of maybe a little bit almost was the case, but... Um, I just thought it was something, something along those lines, since she is a shy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that would make sense, too, because that happens in a lot of, like, human relationships. Yeah. When you're 
you'll never know that like you could have been with them because you were too scared to say it I think about that all the time I don't because I what I my solution is I just get drunk and say it and then I regret it for five years afterwards I feel like I'm making up for that now um with all of the crazy things that I do when I have some white claws we're young we're supposed to do that kind of shit I guess, but like at what point I, so when I did that lift evaluation the other day, I had to write how many alcoholic drinks I have per week. And I was like, honey, you don't want to know. <laughs> I hate when they ask you that at the, at the doctor. Cause you're like, uh, two. <laughs> two. Woo. Hundred. <laughs> two hundred. You needed 200. It just makes me think of Spongebob. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's weird for me, though, because sometimes, like, I'll go, like, three weeks without having a, a drink, and then I will black out. <laughs> no in between. So I'm like, the average is two. It's fine. It's fine. It evens out. Yeah. So Edward decides that he's going to do something about this, um, and we don't know what that is yet. It comes back around later. Um, so they get to biology, and we have this whole scene again where there's a movie on and <laughs> this quote-unquote electricity is running between Edward and Bella. And the whole time he's like, what if I just touched her? Because he's the only one that can see what's going on because he has perfect night vision, apparently. And he doesn't, obviously. Um, but they just sit there the whole time not moving. Um also, I wanted to point out a certain line on page 247 um, towards the top. <laughs> I was This is when he was still talking about Angela. I was pleased with my solution with my gift for Angela. It was a nice di diversion for my own problems. Would that mine were as easily fixed? That fucking last sentence sounds like Shakespeare. Would that mine thine own love? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, bro? At two, Angela. <laughs> Soft, what yonder window breaks, or some bullshit like that. But if the light comes <laughs> through the window breaks. <laughs> if the light comes through the window breaking, as it were, he would get sparkly, and we can't have that. That is true. So, um, finally, the class period ends, and the teacher turns the light back on. And Edward says, well, that was interesting. And all Bella says was, um, this, that's still funny. <laughs> also, um, they start walking to Jim. Well, he's walking her to Jim. And he is just, like, arguing with himself. And I, I, my note for this was, he always has to ruin a nice moment. Because he's having this reflection um, with himself. And he's like, it wouldn't be that wrong to touch her. And then... He's like, no mistakes. He's just like, he is at the same time, like a child and a disciplinarian. And it's very hard to keep up with. I just also feel like showing how much he's allowed himself to do at this point. It's like, bro, you are going to eventually let yourself do this. Look at where we are now versus where you were in the very first chapter. This is a very different person. You've 
continually allowed yourself a little bit more and a little bit more, why not just have a good time at this point? Like, I have no faith that you're going to stick to this at all. You literally kiss her come this weekend. So why not hold hands in the dark? For real. It's like when you're eating out of a bag of chips and you get to that point where you're like, "Eh, it's about the time I should stop. And then you're like, but what if I didn't? And then you eat a few more and you're like, I could still stop. I could still stop. And then you are then at the point where you're like, well, I've eaten so much now. I might as well have a good time. And then you just eat as many as you want. I I get that way, but it's more of like a challenge to myself. Like I get to a point where I'm eating and then it's like, there isn't necessarily enough that the next time I go to eat chips, I'm going to be happy. So I'm like, well, I may as well make myself happier now versus making myself unhappy later. And also, if you got this far, why stop now? Mama didn't raise no fucking bitch. She didn't raise no quitter. You got to do what you got to do. What, you got to finish what you started, Paige. <laughs> that literally sounded like you were auditioning for Paige versus food. <laughs> I, Adam Richmond, he can, he can hit it. <laughs> Oh my god. I cannot even comment on that. Okay, so um obviously he caves to his what he calls um his worst side. He says his better side lost the argument. And literally all he does is touch her cheek and he's like, "Oh my god. Oh my god, I touched her cheek." And he keeps saying that his hand, which he has described to us is literally made of stone is tingling I'm like well you don't have nerves so that's impossible also he wasn't gonna touch her he's like I no mistakes and then the one touch that he decides is appropriate and he's gonna allow himself to do I remember reading this singular part in Twilight and being weirded out by it because he like he just like like grabs her hair and like just like moves it across her face and I'm like don't touch my hair. Like, why not just like, like, give her a little side of the arm rub, like have a nice time at gym or like, give her hands a little squeeze. She knows you're a vampire. She knows your touch is going to be cold. She's expressed many times. It's okay. Tell me more. I think she'll be fine with it. The hair thing is just weird to me. Like your first touch with her. That's what you're going for. I don't like it. It is weird. Also, when you were like, miming him touching her hair you know what it reminded me of what is that like girl from disney who's like you know the meme she's like debbie something fuck ryan yes and you know her meme no what oh my god i'm gonna pull it up so um there she actually responded to it but a lot of people were like going around with this because it her the face that she makes is so terrible (laughs) Um, and she's like, okay, let's see if this is a gif. Oh, no, it's not a gif. I need a gif. Okay, here we go. No, I don't want it. (laughs) That's exactly what you reminded me of. Um, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, look up Debbie Ryan meme. It'll be the only result. (laughs) I was trying to channel that guy from the TikToks I've been sending you who does the recreations from the Twilight movies. I He always moves his hair out of his face and he does like a mischievous look. Like that's what I was going for. 
Yes, we should credit him because he is really funny. I'm pulling up your Instagram. Brody, his TikTok. Well, this is his Instagram, I think, right? But it's Brody underscore Wellmaker. I'm sure you've seen him. I He's a pretty familiar face in the TikTok world, I would say. But he does so many good Twilight ones. They are very funny. Yes, he's the best. Um, So Edward beats himself up for this whole thing he says no I hadn't hurt her but touching her had still been a mistake and then he's like oh I think this is what I was talking about when I said he always has to ruin a nice moment where he's like savor the memory Edward and keep your hands to yourself what the fuck it sounds like how I used to think to myself as a high schooler raised in Catholic school when I would do anything even remotely romantic or physical with my boyfriend at the time it was just like we would do it and have fun and then for the next eight years I would feel ashamed about it that's Catholic guilt baby (laughs) baby (laughs) um so he catches up with Emmett on their way to Spanish which they have together and this is where he decides to enact his plan with Angela and Ben. But first, um, Emmett kind of razzes him a little bit. He's like, he says, Rosalie's going to rip your tongue out. Because if you remember, they just had the lunch where the family found out that Bella knows the truth about them. And I do like Emmett's response because Edward says, are you angry with me? And he says, no, Rose will get over it. It was bound to happen anyway with what Alice sees coming. Um, and then he ends up agreeing to this plan with Edward about Angela and Ben. And this line is so sweet on page 251. Um, it's towards the bottom. Rosalie was a pain, but I would always owe her one for choosing Emmett. No one had a better, better brother than mine. Oh, really cute. It's just, it's so interesting to see. Interesting. And I feel maybe even a little rare to see, Edward and the Cullens, like, act like they really are brothers and sisters. Like, they're quote-unquote family brother-sister, but the relationship is so much more complex than that that you don't see them really acting like that that's necessarily true to the traditional sense of it. So just hearing him acknowledge, like, yes, he is my brother. He is the best brother. It's just, it's really cute. And it just, it's more humanizing a little bit. I agree. And I think, I mean, I know more about Stephanie Meyer's particular brand of vampire lore than you do, obviously. But I just think in general, like, family is just not a concept you associate with that kind of supernatural creature at all. Um, you know, they were they refer to groups of themselves as covens, mm-hmm. uh, which they've said before. So I don't know. It's just I feel like it's interesting that Stephanie Meyer chose to go that direction with it. Yeah, I like it. I It just, it's, you know, there's so much to not like about this whole bit. Not this particular bit, but the whole series. It's just <laughs> nice to find little things like this where it's like, I do really like that. I do think it's really cute. Free fucking tweet. <laughs> um, okay, so they get to class. And they kind of act out this whole charade for Ben's benefit. So basically what happens is Edward is deliberately talking loudly about how he wants to ask out Angela. Um, But he doesn't, he's like afraid to because um, 
he heard that she was interested in someone else, some Ben guy. And then Emmett very obviously says, he's right behind you. And Edward is like, um, oh, whatever, you know. And then he wants to make very clear that he she's going with Eric to the dance because it's like a group thing, which, God, we've all been there. Or maybe you weren't there if you were pretty in high school. Can't relate. Um, and it's funny because Emmett keeps improvising his lines and Edward's getting kind of rattled, but he's making it work, which is funny. Um, and it, it works um, because Ben is like, okay, I'm going to ask her out. She says, um, so Edward says, maybe I'll ask her to the prom. And Ben, in his thoughts, says, no, you won't. So what if she's taller than me? If it does, if she doesn't care, then neither do I. She's the nicest, smartest, prettiest girl in this school, and she wants me. So it turns out the whole thing separating them is a six-inch height difference, which is a lot. But I just, height has never really been a thing that has bothered me. I don't know why. I I made a big note about this in my notebook that it as a woman who is very short and in every single relationship I've ever had with men I've always been the shorter one it's never been a problem but we had a um a fellow student at our high school who was a taller girl who um she had confided in me that she was just like jealous and like it was just so hard for her to feel comfortable in a relationship being tall and like knowing that she wasn't necessarily going to be shorter she couldn't wear heels I just want to be like I just want to say girls you can be tall I want you to be tall and I love that for you and it's just like standards for women standards for men that are unrealistic for things that you can't even control you literally, no one can control that. It's just, it's just so sad that like this actually is a thing that a lot of people deal with, both men and women. And it's just, it just really sucks that like little things like that can deter a great relationship. I agree. It is sad. And I mean, I know you've probably heard this a million times, but like if it is bothering you, just, just know that like, if a guy is bothered that he's shorter than you, then he's not the one that you're supposed to be with anyways, because the one that you're supposed to be with will not care. And also fuck what society says. Society also says you're supposed to be shaped like a Barbie, which is physiologically impossible. So I think it's just never bothered me because I've never, like, I'm just average. I guess some people might say I'm tall. I'm like five, seven, five, eight, but I don't know. I think I'm, like, in the sweet spot where, like, there's not really that many guys that are shorter than me. Most are, like, my same height or a little taller, so. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of those things where people, especially women who are tall, where you're kind of ingrained to, you, it's ingrained that women should be small or petite, whatever. I feel like if you were someone who was tall and that was sort of the mold you were supposed to fit in, I feel like that would be something that would be on your mind, like something that you're self-conscious about and you're always worried that that's the first thing that people are going to think about you. Like the things for myself that I'm self-conscious about and was especially self-conscious about in high school, I can fully understand where Angela's coming from that like, well, no one's going to, no one's going to want to date me if if this is the way that I am. So I'm not even going to put myself out there to be hurt. So I get it. It's just, 
it just sucks that like especially in high school it's so hard to be accepting of yourself and your I don't even want to say flaws I mean she considers it a flaw I would say it's not a flaw but the things that you are self-conscious about yeah definitely and I wasn't trying to say like it's not a legitimate thing to be yeah it's I it's definitely like I'm just I was just trying to make the point that like it's not something I have ever had to worry about myself luckily um Mm -hmm. you know but I think we all have those things that we think are so huge in our brains um and it might be height for you it might be you know mine was acne when I was in high school and yeah Paige is pointing at herself too and it's just like yes there probably are going to be people that judge you for those things but once again those are not people that you need in your life so just be you that's all that we're saying yeah I the things that I've really loved about Angela have nothing to do with the way that she looks so and the things that Edward has really loved about her too are the exact same things so it's like those are the things that are going to matter to people yep definitely so after this um little performance Edward's in a good mood so he decides to watch Bella in gym um since she mentioned at lunch that he's never seen her in gym and obviously it's a nightmare they're playing badminton and um Bella's like not playing she's letting Mike do everything and then the coach comes by and yells at Mike and says like hey let Bella play and then the very first thing that she does she hits Mike in the arm and then herself right yeah herself in the head and Mike in the arm and so then the coach is like uh sorry and then like walks away and lets Mike just do all the work for Bella again and Edward has like an outsized reaction to this where he's like oh my god is she okay it's like it's gym class I think she'll be fine like imagine if Bella had to play dodgeball what would Edward do he would have a stroke, a literal stroke. I know his blood doesn't pump, but it would somehow work. <laughs> he would, too. It, his heart would come back to life just for him to have a stroke. <laughs> um, so after class, Mike is having, you know, these angry thoughts about Bella and Edward, and he decides to confront her. And he says, you and Cullen, huh? And then he thinks to himself, you and the freak. I guess if a rich guy is that important to you, which to me is a weird accusation to make in high school because it's like who cares if they're rich in high school like I feel like nobody's thinking about that I've thought about it I'm not gonna lie in high school I I knew the people who were wealthier than me especially like I'm not gonna name names but I did a group project with someone one time and I went to their house and I was pulling up and I was like no like it was enormous it was a huge house in like the area of the town that we live in where the zoo is. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar. So, yeah, so you can imagine. Um, and I just I just remember thinking, like, this family clearly makes more money than my family. Like, I mean, it wasn't judgmental. It was just, like, this is clearly the situation. Yeah, I mean, I noticed it, but not in, like, romantic partners. Like, I wouldn't have been like, ooh, that kid's family is rich. I want to date him, you know? That's... I didn't realize that was the point you were making. I I definitely, I feel like I notice that more now. I know that sounds yep. really vain, but it's just like, I mean, that's an asset you have to consider. I mean, in th- in this economy? <laughs> you guys- yes, definitely. Like, I'm almost like making fun of myself for not thinking of it back then because I was so naive. Like, ah, who cares? But now I'm like, <laughs> I need to be financially supported. <laughs> like, 
cares me? I'm who cares. Yes, older me is who cares. Also, I think Mila has something she wants to say. <laughs> that was a really good point she made, I agree. Tell them. That's all she had to say. <laughs> I one time I had a manager I had dated this guy very very briefly in college and he was a computer science major and so she was asking me about him and I mentioned like oh he's a computer science major which is great because he's gonna get a good job and make a lot of money you know like one of the one of the things I said she was like wow I can't believe that that's something that matters to you like I would never even think about that with a partner I'm like okay one you don't need to be so rude about it but two like sorry I'm taking it into consideration it's not why we're dating but I'm going to take it into consideration yes definitely um normalize gold digging let me just say that you know what the second that capitalism is abolished finally I will not care I will go for whoever but until then bitch better have my money that made me laugh, and I held my mouth and put my head down to avoid laughing, and I hit my head on my bed frame. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed it. I saw, like, a kind of weird reaction, but I was like, all right, keep it moving. <laughs> it was me clonking myself. I love the word clonk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... So then there is this hilarious line of Mike says, he looks at you like like you're something to eat. And Bella laughs. And Edward, once again, has such a ridiculous reaction. He's like, how could she be laughing? What's wrong with her? Does she have a morbid sense of humor? Yes. Yes. And also a kink kink for it. Um, That's literally why she's laughing. Because of the irony of it. (laughs) Yes, I my note was, Eddie, lol, needs to lighten up. It was funny. Like, if I was him, I would have laughed. Like... If I was Bella, I would have laughed. Like, this bitch don't even know. I just would have been like, I know, right? And then kept walking. Oh, Lord. Okay, so um, he meets her outside of her gym class. And then he starts teasing her about how it was in gym. And Bella gets really mad and, like, storms off to his car. Because, remember, they drove together. Um, and they have to wade through the the people looking at Rosalie's car because it's so fancy and pretty. And so they get in the car and they start driving home. Well, to Bella's house, I should say. And um, Edward's like, well, will you forgive me if I apologize? And Bella says, maybe if you mean it and if you promise not to do it again. He's like, well, I'm going to be watching you for the rest of your eternal life. So can't promise that. <laughs> He doesn't say that, but that's we know that's the truth. Um, so he says, what if I mean it and I agree to let you drive this Saturday? So they come to that compromise. And um, Bella asks again why she can't watch Edward hunt. And he basically explains to her that, like, when they hunt, they basically loosen their control on their instincts so that, you know, they follow their scent or their sense of smell and everything. So if she was nearby, he would not be able to control himself from killing her. 
And then they have this sexual tension moment again, which they try to make this, Stephanie Meyer tries to make this into such a huge deal. And it's like, who hasn't had this moment in their boyfriend's car in front of their parents' house and their parents might be like watching out the window and you're like, don't do it. <laughs> don't you do it. <laughs> like we've all had this moment. It's not supernatural. <laughs> I feel like it's also the moment where it's like, this is the last moment. So I got to get it all out now. I'm not going to see them again for less than 24 hours so I may as well you know kiss the face and you know the mouth and stuff (laughs) that was very graceful the way that you phrased that I I was gonna say something much worse but then I was like don't do it Paige you don't need to say that on the pod thank you for restraining yourself (laughs) um so they don't end up doing anything because Edward Basically, he tells her to get out, <laughs> which is, like, kind of rude. Um, so she gets out of the car, and he ominously says, tomorrow it's my turn. And she says, your turn to what? And he says, ask the questions. And then he drives off, and he says, I would have to find some way to hold my ground if we were ever going to have any peace. So at the end of this paragraph, this was my cutoff. So that's where the rough draft of Midnight Sun that was out for so many years ended. Um, which is now in the middle, well, not the middle, but, you know, partially through a chapter. Um, so everything after this, I've only read once. Good to know. We got, we got a basically fresh slate here. Um, I, I meant to, I was going to ask this just a second ago. Can you remind me what day of the week we're on right now? Is it Thursday? Wednesday? Because they're going to the meadow this weekend, Saturday. And I just, I can't remember how much more is in between. I feel like there's two days of him questioning her. So I feel like today might be Tuesday. Okay. Because then they have the Friday where he ends up leaving early so that he can hunt with Alice. Remember that? Yep, yep. So yeah, I feel like today it's Tuesday. Yeah, what day did they go to Port Angeles? Was that the weekend? (sighs) No, that was a weekday, too. Maybe it's Wednesday. Maybe. um, It doesn't matter. I bet Stephanie Meyer didn't even think about it. (laughs) Yeah, my week has nine days. It's fine. (laughs) Um, So Edward drives home um, to deal with the shit that's awaiting him there. And he can hear Rosalie's thoughts from far away. And he knows that he's in trouble. Also... I wanted to throw my book across this fucking room when he called Rosalie an ogre. Excuse me? The prettiest thing to ever grace this earth? Like, just because you don't like her doesn't mean you gotta be a dick. Yeah, if she's an ogre, you're the fucking Mr. Tumnus thing from Narnia, okay? So I do not want to hear it. I need everyone to come to my funeral because I am deceased right now. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of looks like him. He does kind of look like him. He's got the same color hair and the the pale skin. The goat legs. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Now that would be a twist in Twilight I was not expecting. (laughs) So after he calls her an ogre and I pick my book up off the floor... Um, she meets him outside and she's annoyed because he just keeps apologizing and is like, what does she call it? 
she calls it like the roll yeah the rollover routine stop playing so penitent um and Emmett shows up and he's like yeah how did you end up telling her because he says you rarely say the word even with us it's not your favorite um meaning that Edward never says the word vampire and he thinks about how Rosalie doesn't either and when I read that I was thinking back on it and I was like I can't think of Edward saying it like he he says ask her to say it in the movie at least I can't remember if they do that in the book but like I I feel like that's a very good point that he doesn't acknowledge it. Like he finds ways to talk around it basically. Yeah, he definitely does. It's like a taboo for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that's when Edward drops the bomb that the great grandson of Ephraim Black is the one that told Bella um, what they are. So Carlisle shows up because now it's just like, it's bigger than them. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of interesting that, I mean, I don't pretend to think that Edward really cares about the Quileutes, but he does seem a little bit anxious here that, like, they're going to, his family's going to overreact and, like, do something to the tribe. And he's just trying to be like, like, they didn't believe it. Um, you know, they're so much younger than the ones who knew what we were. So it's, like, not their fault type of thing. Yeah, it makes me wonder, as someone who doesn't know anything about that yet, when Jacob was told this information, was he told, you cannot tell anyone else about this? Like, this is, these are things that are, like, only to be kept within our tribe. You, like, this is not going to leave our home, basically. Or was it just, is it just something that's just like a story that's been told that, pretty much everyone thinks is a story, you know, like what is the, what is the background of this information and does it hold Jacob culpable? Basically. That's what I want to know. I want to know like what this is considered for everyone else in the tribe, basically. We'll find out, won't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so Carlisle, you know, Edward says that he's not worried about Carlisle's reaction and Obviously, Carlisle has no intention of hurting the tribe. Um, and Jas- he is a little bit worried about Jasper, but, I mean, we'll just go over this now. Um, Carlisle goes up at the end of the chapter to talk to Jasper and kind of, like, soothes him and calms him down, and Jasper's happy to follow his lead. Um, so that situation is resolved for the moment. And then Rosalie's still kind of on the warpath here, justifiably. Um because she says, you know, it's Edward's fault that the girl knows anything. And here I'm assuming she's referring to the car accident, because if it hadn't been for that, Bella wouldn't have started investigating. And she's right. So Edward says, you know, I'm not playing at being sorry. Like, I know that this is all my fault. And Rosalie's like, you're just saying that because I'm going to destroy your car. And he truly does not care about that. Like, he's like, oh, whatever. And she says, you've changed. And he says, I know. So before all this happens, though, um, as always, Edward is kind of reading the subtext of this entire conversation because he can read Rosalie's thoughts. And he's thinking about how, I mean, there is the jealousy that we knew about before, about how he finds Bella attractive. And he's never found any woman attractive. But he says that there's more to it now because um, I'll just read from this part. Bella had everything Rosalie wanted. She was human. She had choices. Rose was outraged 
outraged that Bella would put this in jeopardy, that she would flirt with the darkness when she had other options. Rose thought she might even trade faces with the girl she thought of as homely if she could have her humanity in the bargain. So what did you think about this, Paige? This was what I was referencing um, in the beginning that I just found super, super interesting because going into this, you know, I thought that Rosalie was very upset with the whole situation because one, it's disrupting the life that she settled with, which is important to her. And, you know, she can finally have some peace, but also two, that, you know, Bella has this mortal life that she, that was taken from her basically. And she was jealous of that. I just didn't even consider that there's the other added addition to it that she has this mortal life that Rosalie would love. And then she's choosing the thing that Rosalie didn't even have a chance to choose. I thought that that was super interesting. And I feel, I mean, I think the whole vampire thing is crazy. I would never want that for myself. So I feel like totally on Rosalie's side on that, that I would be flabbergasted that someone would want that thing that I so desperately do not want. So I totally get it. And I just think it's like, I didn't even think about what, would she even want to be Bella if she was given the chance? It's crazy to think that she would, because I know that she doesn't think that Bella is probably even remotely as attractive as her, but to settle for that, to get her humanity back, that's really big for Rosalie's character. So it clearly shows how important that is to her and why she is so upset about everything. Like, if she's willing to settle for that, that just shows why she's so irate right now. Yeah. Yeah, it adds a a level of depth to her, Um, which, again, I feel like is against... Stephanie Meyer's own intentions because I think that she wants to portray Rosalie as this shallow character. Um, But, and I was just thinking about it too, like trying to picture like a real world scenario of that. I don't really know what it could be compared to, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, let's just say for some reason there is a condition where you have to walk around with your hands shackled for the rest of your life. Um, and some people think that it's sexy or whatever, not making fun of BDSM. This is just an example. Um, and there's people that would kill, like if you were, you're one of those people and you would kill to have your hands unshackled because it means you could do normal stuff. You could play sports, you could play instruments, you could draw, um, you could cook, like you could do all the things that you used to love to do. But then you meet someone who all she wants is to have her hand shackled. And it's like, that would make me mad. Like, I'm just trying to like put myself in Rosalie's shoes and it would make me mad as well. Yeah, this is, this is not the same, but I feel like kind of a similar vein. I've been kind of binging this reality uh, teen pregnancy show on Hulu, which I just was in the mood for something like, (laughs) That's not lighthearted. That's not the word. Something like that I could just put on and not really have to pay attention to. And I there's 
this one this one teenager who was saying like that she always wanted to be a mom and that she was like she wanted to have a baby and her mom was like you don't want this right now I'm telling you you do not want this this is not you shouldn't want this when you're a teenager you should enjoy your life you should like have fun like this could be something for you later but you should not be wanting this right now and she's like you don't understand I want this now and like I'm like I wonder if she feels the same way now like that she has a kid so young like I feel like that you know it seems so great and like something that you want until like all of what comes with that comes with that and you're like oh no my life is forever changed basically like nothing is ever gonna be the same after this and I can't go back like once I've chosen it basically I mean not that I'm comparing having a child to vampirism but maybe I am who knows (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's a good analogy. I know mine was corny, but I was just trying to think of like, because Rosalie really does see this life as a prison. Like, it is a prison to her that she can never escape. There's no keys to her shackles, you know? Yeah, and like, I feel like what I was mentioning, like, I think the big thing here is that Rosalie did not have a choice. She was not given any prior information. This She just woke up and this was what her life was like. I mean, as far as I know. We haven't gotten super into Rosalie's backstory yet, but Bella fully has the choice and the ability to say, no, I don't want this. And she's not choosing to do that. So I can definitely see where Rosalie's anger is coming from. Like Rosalie didn't have any choice. And now we have this person who does, and they're choosing what she thinks is so abhorrent. And it just, it just shows why she's so angry. Yeah, definitely. In conclusion, once again, Paige and I are on Rosalie's side. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was talking with my roommate Millie about um, Twilight and about characters and stuff. And I brought up how um, that you and I both really like Rosalie. And she was like, when I was a kid, I did not like Rosalie. I didn't like her growing up at all. But now that I'm an adult and I'm looking back on who she was and her character, I definitely like her so it's just like it's it's just interesting to see that like she was clearly a character that we were made to not like when the book came out but jokes on you Stephanie we do we do like her yeah I feel the exact same way as Millie like because I was young and so there I had much more like of a binary state of mind where I was like oh this character is she's a villain she exists to like sabotage the thing that we want which is Edward and Bella's relationship right And now it's like, no, there are subtleties to every person. And even though, like, some characters maybe were intended to be flat, like, that's not how I read it now at all. Yeah, the, the, Stephanie played herself trying to make this character flat when really she made her round. She gave me some curves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, so that's pretty much almost the end of the chapter. At the end of this conversation, Rosalie kind of storms off. And I already mentioned the Jasper thing and that Carlisle resolves the situation with him. Um, one more thing that I wanted to point out before we wrap up is Edward has, this is on page 262. He has this kind of thought where he says, um, well, he's talking about how Rosalie and him, Edward, both don't like to talk about, don't like to say the word vampire, um, you know, and don't like to think about their 
he says the non-life we hated. And he says, Emmett had no such reservations. What would it be like to feel the way Emmett did? To be so practical, so free from regret. To be able to so easily accept and move forward. Rose and I would both be happier people if we could follow his example. And that really resonated with me because I have definitely thought that about people that I know. Like, I know people that are just so go with the flow and so, like, just dealing with situations with good humor as they come and, you know, just rolling with the punches. And that's so not me. And I so wanted to be more like those people. Yeah, I I definitely agree as someone who's struggled with anxiety so long for so much of my life. I do think, like, what what could I have done with my past opportunities that I chose not to do because I was worried or that I, I didn't even try to do anything or even sign up for anything because I was too worried. But then I also try to consider, you know, the people who do these things have their own problems that they're dealing with and like, you're not the only person who feels this way and that, you know, everyone has a struggle that they're facing. So like, even though, even though I'm struggling, I just try to remind myself that like everyone has a mountain that they're trying to climb right now. And, you know, just because things are hard for you doesn't mean that other people aren't also facing similar things. So I'm like, you know, I might feel sad and mad and angry, but at least I know that like I'm not alone with how I'm feeling. So I'm not trying, I don't know what I'm trying to bring with all of this. All I'm trying, I'll, I'm just trying to say like that that's how I try to get through it. No, that's absolutely right. I was just about to say like, I 100% agree and I have nothing to add because I'm really sorry. Mila is making a racket in the background. <laughs> She's just agreeing with you. I was just going to say the, the corniest line ever that is true is that everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Um, so even though, like, I think it's okay to, like, see things like this or, like, know people like Emmett and try to incorporate more of that in your own life. As long as you, like, understand that, you know, you are the way that you are and, like, that doesn't mean that that person that you admire is perfect. You can work on yourself. Um, you're not stuck the way that you are. But everyone has things about their personalities that give them trouble. Yeah, there's definitely 100% nothing wrong with finding things in other people that you like and you want to be more like and working your way towards that. I think that that's admirable and how we get better at everything we're ever good at. Like, think of the thing, one of the things you're good at. How'd you get good at that? <laughs> did you, did you like look at others who were good at that and try to incorporate what they did into your life? Like, that's how we get better at things we learn from others. But it's also important to realize that like the people that we idolize and like so much, you know, everyone has their own flaws. We don't need to think that everyone is perfect and their life is perfect. And I, if I was just like them, then everything would be perfect for me too. Like their lives are not perfect. You know, they're facing their own things. Just try to focus on the qualities that you like and work towards that. 100%. You said it. Yeah. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Tickets were $15, so if you haven't paid yet, we have, we're have we passing a box around if you could put some cash in there. <laughs> um, so for next week, we're going to be reading Chapter 13, which is very creatively named 
Another complication. <laughs> Do you have any predictions on what might happen in this chapter page? I mean, my heart is telling me maybe this is when the thing with um, Jacob and his dad show up. But I mean, I was so confident last time. So, I mean, I'm going to put that as a maybe. I'm going to table it as a maybe. But I feel like there wasn't another complication in Twilight. Let me just look really quick. I have the book right here. There is not. So, I mean, maybe there's going to be something more to do with Cullen family drama. I mean, it seems like they're maybe they're gonna maybe want to do things to talk with the Quillu people. I don't know. I I really want to see more of the Quillu representation in this book because we haven't. I don't think we've gotten anything really at this point. I don't think we've even seen Jacob as a character like I at all. They've been mentioned, but I don't think there's been a single character. So I hope that maybe at this chapter we get something, but I'm not going to put my money on it. That's for damn sure. (sighs) Yep. (laughs) We will see next week. So that's the end of our spiel today, folks. Um, We hope you're having a good week wherever you are and that you're staying safe. Please follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. Um, you can email us at Tuesdays Are for Twilight at gmail.com. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Paige, you got anything to add? Um, this edition is brought to you by me looking at Tina's beautiful face right next to the camera right now. She's sleeping with just... nothing going on because she's asleep and i just wanted to say adopt don't shop amen we'll see you next week guys bye bye our amazing intro and outro music was performed by danny plowman and produced by alberto beltran you can follow danny at danimal6 and that's six the word not six the number danimal6 underscore on instagram (laughs) 